Week five has officially kicked off with Denver's struggling struggles continuing as the season goes on. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. We have a big show planned for you guys tonight, previewing our the rest of week five slate of games. We're going to talk about Denver's struggles. We're going to talk about Ravens-Bengals, Rams-Cowboys, a bunch of different matchups, and joining us and returning to the show after being a guest with us over this summer. We have Derek Cool. Derek, welcome back to the show. We have some new listeners. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, Adam. Uh, like Adam said, I'm Derek. Uh, I joined the show, I think, sometime in July. Uh, we did a divisional preview for the NFC South. Uh, you know, some hits, some misses. I think I, I had the Saints projected a little bit better than um, than they, they started off. But uh, I did kind of foresee this tough start for the the Bucks. Um, but uh, I'm just glad to be back. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and that was... You got you you have you had the box close to the top, just the Saints, and I didn't. I, I maybe we should have seen it coming, but Jameis Winston has his turnover issues have kind of returned here after we thought he had things figured out. Maybe it was all Sean Payton. You think? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's been a, a shift from from him. Obviously, he's not healthy, right? We we've heard the the reports that he has a couple of broken discs in his back, uh, and he's clearly not healthy. He's not practicing. I. I find it hard to believe he's going to play this week, um, but it doesn't kind of. I don't know if that's enough of a, a cop out to to look how he looked in in weeks two and three, where he just uh, he he looked like Jameis. I'll say that. Look at yeah. him slinging the ball around, taking a lot of deep shots. Uh, you know, I guess the the laser eye surgery didn't go as he'd hoped, and he's he's still missing some underneath linebackers that are are just missing some things. But uh, I don't put it past this team to turn it around. I still think they're a really good defense. They have talent all over the ball, uh, and a couple of a couple of rookies who who could uh, could make it pop. One of the guys, Alave, we might talk about him a little later today. He's he's looked really good. He could, he has the potential to be, you know, a top two or three receiver from this class. So I'm excited to see what he can do. But uh, but I'm not throwing the towel in yet for the the Saints team. I think I think they can string some gritty, tough football together as we uh, move into the second quarter of this football season. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, we still have a lot of football left, I believe. So we're into we're going into week five. So we're only four games in for the Saints. So they have plenty of time to turn it around. A lot of adjustments to make, but they have some things to be to be uh, optimistic about. But we're going to jump right into it. So Denver's struggles, as I mentioned, continued on Thursday night football versus the Colts who've been struggling themselves with they had some expectations with new with a new quarterback in Matt Ryan and off to yet another tough start for the Colts but a tough start for the Bengals as well who just got Russell Wilson this past offseason and they just they still can't seem to figure things out they lost to the Colts what was it i believe 12 to 9 it was 12, 12 it was to 9 12 to 9 yeah yeah it was it was ugly which was which is essentially a baseball score, a high baseball score, if you will, but still, baseball score, not exactly a fun. It's what people. It's what the the defensive the defensive battle people who are like, I love I love seeing these defensive fights. They were they were pretty happy yesterday, even though it was just ugly football. But do we see? Do we see? 
Denver turning this around in any way as this season continues? We'll start with you, Derek. Okay, well, uh, I'll be honest. There's there's definitely some some glaring concerns, um, and it kind of all seems like a joke to Russell Wilson. I don't know if you guys saw, but in his post game conference, he he the last thing he said before as he was walking off the podium was Broncos country, let's ride. And it's it's like a game. I don't know if uh, if I was a Broncos fan and and looking at his contract, he's he's under big money until 2028. Um, they have there's an out somewhere in there, but it doesn't come. It comes with a pretty big cap hit, and uh, but indifferently, it's there's a lot of uh, red flags. Um, I think there's some salvageable parts from that offense if you're talking about fantasy perspective, right? Uh, and, you know, in a bad game, I still think Cortland Sutton saw a vast majority of the targets. I, I think he had about, I think you want to say he had 11 or 12 targets last night. Uh, so from a fantasy perspective, there, I wouldn't say I wouldn't throw in the towel yet. I'm not I'm not sitting there um, panicking. But as the overall the Broncos team, and we, we kind of talked about this division as being some kind of juggernaut. Um, well, uh, the Broncos and and the Raiders too kind of seem to to be giving you some pause to call on that a juggernaut division. And uh, and so I'm curious to see what does happen in these next couple weeks. Their schedule does get a little bit lighter. Um, but I kind of thought that going into last night against the Colts and they, they just, they failed time after time uh, with Aaron Rodgers to, to, uh, to, I'm sorry, with Russell Wilson to, um, to bring it home. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that he, you mentioned that post game interview and I, I remember, I saw a clip of it where he was, he was asked if he was worried and he was like, yeah, no. Like, this struggle has been actually really fun, figuring things out and everything. I'm not worried. You know, Broncos country, let's ride, yeah. all that stuff. Like, he just doesn't seem – Seems out of seem touch. Worried. Like, when Tom as, – as a, as a fellow Tom Brady guy, when that happens to him, he's never ta- – he's not happy. No. He, he's, he's looking for ways to figure things out. So, I, I definitely get that. But, uh, CJ, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, Adam, the Broncos are a team that are currently two and three, and in all conceivability, should probably be zero and five. And they play like an zero and five team. And I know there's a saying, "A win is a win is a win," but I disagree because there's a difference between a convincing win and an ugly win. And on the off chance Denver does win a game, they win ugly and a lot of it i hate to say it is russell wilson and i don't know why he's being so cavalier about a loss because plain and simple he sucked and you know it's a bad look when your old team the seahawks have geno smith at quarterback and statistically speaking geno smith is playing better you know that's just that is just awful if you're a Broncos fan. And a lot of people, I mean, it's early, are saying that Seattle won the trade. I wouldn't go that far just yet. But something's got to change in Broncos country. Furthermore, their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, I, I'm not a fan of his management, to put it nicely. And are we sure Jameis Winston's the only one with the vision problem? Because Russell Wilson couldn't see a wide-open K.J. Hamler. And Hamler has every right to be frustrated. If anything, he should be screaming at Russell Wilson. He really should. And it's just, 
I know that, you know, you can't just throw a team together and go compete. I know there's going to be growing pains, but your roster is too stacked to be this poor. That That's really all I have to say. So, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they fired Hackett after one season. That That's, like, how bad this is. Yeah, yeah. that seat's red hot. I, if, I, if I'm the new owner, the, Bron- the Broncos' ownership was uh... – who just took over. I, I can't imagine being too pleased with the investment in the head coach, nor the investment in the quarterback. Um, and we know it's a player's league. Coaches can make an impact, but at the end of the day, it's a player's league. And uh, I, I wouldn't be feeling so hot about Daniel Hacker right now. If I'm the, the new, uh, new ownership in Denver. Yeah. Look, the, the, there's no two ways about it. The coaching has been absolutely horrendous. And you would think with such a stacked roster that they would figure things out. But, like, looking at, like, as, this, as these, this continues, I'm starting to look at this towards Russell Wilson and think, this isn't, all on, this isn't all on the coach at this point. I mean, look, when I, I, I watched, so I watched Man in the Arena, and at one point I remember, he, I remember, um, I remember hearing Tom Brady talk, talk about, when he was talking to Russell, uh, excuse me, uh, Wes Welker, and he was, say, he was yelling at him and he was saying, I know when everybody is open on the field, don't tell me to throw you the ball because I'm going to th- throw to whoever is open at whichever time and I'm going to do what's best for the team. So you are supposed to know where, when, everybody, when and where everybody is open. And when KJ Hamler was open on that last play, he was looking towards the left side of the field. This guy was wide open and he didn't know he he was open. And then during the press conference, he was all easy breezy, like, oh, you know, Broncos country, let's ride. He was, he was all, I'm not worried. This has been a fun process. I'm glad you're having fun, dude. I'm glad you're having fun. Cause if I was losing like this, if any, if any other quarterback who has any sort of competitive mindset, the Tom Brady's, I'll even say the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers of the world, or let's even say Seahawks, Russell Wilson, they would not be happy about this. They would not. You had, you had Aaron Rodgers during preseason complaining about his wide receivers after, after practice. This guy, this guy right now, after being paid has lost his competitive edge and it all still look, the, bit, the, the most important things to me in football, quarterback, coach, quarterback and coaching. And then the roster is obviously important as well. The coaching has been bad. The quarterback has gotten lazy. You put those two things together and you have a talented team that's two and three and is in danger of potentially finishing last in this division where I had them being a wild card team. So it does not look good. For the for these Broncos, I'd love to get Brett back on the show, our Broncos fan, because I'd love to get his his thoughts on this. But it doesn't look good at all. It does no. not. No, I agree. Uh, we'll we'll see what they can do. Uh, but you know, I'm hoping they turn it around. I'd I'd like to see, you know, this division become a little more competitive. Um, uh, you know, we'd still get to see a Herbert Mahomes maybe duel to the finish. But I don't want to see Denver fall out of this too early, so that run to make them to give it a shot is not not feasible. I'd like to see them be able to give it a shot later in the year. So let's hope they turn it around. Certainly, and it's going to require Russell Wilson getting uh, getting his head screwed on straight, and 
finding a way for this team to, to be better coached because this team has the talent. They have the potential to compete with honestly anybody in this, in, uh, in all of football, I would say, but they got to, they have to figure it out. There's plenty of time for them to, to, for them to do so, but I've always loved Russell Wilson and I hate, it pains me to talk, to talk about him the way I have so far tonight, but it's, I mean, there's, there's no way around it. The guy's been, he's been lazy. He's, He's, let's say, uh, he's not actually fat, but he's he's fat and happy because he's he got paid. He's in a he's in a place where he he clearly loves it there. But you got to start winning, dude. You got to yeah. start winning, especially with the team they have. The window is closing because eventually you're going to have to pay all this young talent, and they're not going to be able to because you got paid all this money. So clock's ticking. Clock is ticking because you're gonna you're before you know it. In a few years, this Denver Broncos team is going to be mediocre, and it's going to be like the Seahawks all over again towards the tail end of his, career, of his career there where he's thinking, this team's not that good. They're not really contenders. So it's, they have to figure something out there. Um, but we do want to move on. Do we have any other thoughts on this game before we move on to our, our next segment? None for me. No, I, I don't have all right. any. <clears throat> all right. Well – the AFC North, as you guys know, has always been a competitive division, and this year has been no exception. And we have two, uh, we have two teams, both two and two, looking to stay, looking to stay competitive. Ravens and Bengals. We're going to talk about the ma- that matchup and who needs it more. We'll get to that next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast. Adam right here along with CJ Medeiros, special guest Derek Hool. So we are on to the primetime matchup on Sunday's slate of games. The Bengals are visiting the Ravens. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Both have had some struggles so, so far in this season. So I ask you guys, which of these AFC North arch rivals needs this victory the most? Derek, I'll start with I'll, you. I'll let, I'll let CJ kick this one off. I, I, oh, I kind of led the, the, right. the trashing of the Broncos, so I'm going to let CJ take this. Let's hey, see what thanks. he has to say. Hey, thanks, Derek. So, yeah, this is certainly a must-win for both teams. And believe me when I say, this game, I know it's early, I know it's only week five, but this game could really have some big implications later on down the line because both of these teams are good, both of them off to a sluggish start, and this might be a separator for them maybe maybe not but but it very well could be and for the Bengals you know Adam and I we've spoken of this ad nauseum you know we know that the Super Bowl hangover is real it's not analytical not even slightly but we know it's real and the Bengals I mean Lamar Jackson's playing well but 
a lot of it's the coaching because Harbaugh just takes too many risks. I mean, and we saw it last year too. So I just, we have two very flawed teams, but both have a lot of expectations coming together. And I feel that this win would mean infinitely more for the Ravens and the Bengals because, you know, the Bengals, we know what they are, you know, they just went to the Super Bowl. But for the Ravens, Lamar's duking it out for a big contract, be it in Baltimore or be it elsewhere. And, you know, you've got like a lot of unproven guys on that team. And Harbaugh, like a lot of Ravens fans that I know actually want him gone. So, I mean, I'm not going to take up too much time, but I will say with keeping all that in mind, this is a game that in my mind is a lot more important for the Ravens. Derek? Yeah, um, so I do agree that it's important for both teams. Uh, I, I will go as as I won't go as far as to say it's a, a must win for both sides. You know, it is week five. You know, you're gonna have a team that's two and three, um, and and I will say though it's a stacked conference, so you don't want to fall behind too far. Um, I actually kind of feel this this game might be more important for the Bengals, and he, and here's why to me. They had a you know they started zero two as we all know they looked really really tough coming out of the gate. Then week three, they got a, a you know a pretty good win, and then when they got, but it was still over. It was only over the Jets. Keep that in mind. The next week they played the Miami Dolphins, and did they really dominate that game? And, and to me, I don't think so. I think they kind of limped limped into that win after watching Tua nearly nearly die on the football field. And he took a really brutal shot. It was demoralizing. Uh, Miami never felt like they were a threat in that football game. Uh, so I, I really think the pressure's on the Bengals to go get a win against a good football team. Uh, I'm not saying the Dolphins aren't a good football team. I'm not saying that they won't be a good football team if, if they have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback for an extended amount of time. But that's a pretty demoralizing situation after watching Tua go off the way he did and all the noise surrounding them for that whole second half. Uh, I, I want to see the Bengals prove it against a good football team. They're going to have to go out there and earn it against uh, a dynamic Ravens offense. Um, you know, that being said, I kind of like the, that them for their receivers and what Joe Joe Burrow can do to try and pick apart this uh, this Ravens secondary that's been a little banged up. You know, um, they've been kind of down on the depth chart and had had at some point starting quarter cornerbacks from the practice squad. Um, they've gotten a little bit healthier. That's not to say they're they're not still banged up and they might be able to take some shots uh, with some guys who can really fly and, and deep threats in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Um, I think this could be a, a really high scoring game. Um, I, I, and I guess that that Ravens that Ravens team can be dynamic. We know we've seen how special Lamar Jackson can be, um, but he's kind of been that whole team. If you can find a way to, you can't neutralize Lamar Jackson. You'll never be able to do that. He's too dynamic and. He, he's just too versatile to completely shut him down. But you got to wait. Got to find a way to kind of inhibit some of his his special abilities and, and slow him down just a little bit because he's just been so 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 much of that Ravens offense. If you can alter him and alter that game, their offensive game plan might kind of kind of do a tailspin. So though, that's my thoughts on that game. I think it's important for both, but I wouldn't call it a season if either team do lose. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a must win either for either team, but both teams probably do need this win pretty badly because 
you know, this is a very competitive division, maybe outside of Pittsburgh, if I'm um, granted, if Pittsburgh, you know, figures it out. But I would say the team that needs this the most, on uh, contrary to CJ's pick to, to the Ravens, I'm going to go with the Bengals. The Bengals made the Super Bowl last year, and we do know what they potentially can be. But as you said, CJ, the Super Bowl hangover is real. And it's a real mental factor. And if you go two and three with a Super Bowl loss on your shoulders, that's ex- that's significantly more uh, more crucial, I'll, I'll say, than the Ravens who don't have that on their shoulders if they go two and three, because they they can still figure it out afterwards. But you have a, you you started off zero and two, you figured it out, you've gotten a couple of wins under your belt, you're gains you're gaining some confidence. Now you have this division rival who's a pretty competitive team. So if you were to beat this team and still be able to protect your quarterback, which has been an issue for the Bengals so far, then that's huge for that is that's huge for the for Cincinnati. They figure things out, they start to protect their quarterback more, they get the ball off to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, the Tyler Boyds of the world. They figure things out with Hayden Hurst. That's huge. And I think the, the Bengals really need this win. And it, versus if they were to lose, if they lose, now you started 0-2, you got a couple wins, and then you cap it off with another loss to a division rival who's a very competitive team. So I look at this, and I think they really do, they do need it. You know, this is the, the Super Bowl hangover is real, as much as I hate that it is, because there's nothing analytical about it. But it is. It's real. And that, so you need all the wins you can get, especially after a tough start like this from the Bengals. A lot of new faces on that offensive line. So they need, I, could, I think they could use the extra, the extra jolt of confidence there. I agree. You're muted, CJ. Oh, sorry. You know, but I mean, you know, uh, Adam, I do agree with you. But like I said, uh, there's a lot more, I think, at stake, just like for the Ravens, especially, like I said, with, with the future of Lamar Jackson. Then again, that that's just me. Yeah. So looking at, I mean, there, the Ravens certainly need this as, as well. Mm-hmm. This is a big game for both teams. Um, but look, I just look at this Bengals team, and they they kind of they have the roster to, and they have expectations, you know. And yeah. like another thing to look at. And I'm not sure if this is a real thing either because, it, like, it is a real stat, but, like, is it just a coincidence? But what is it? Like, a quarterback who goes to his first Super Bowl and loses? I'm not sure what the exact stat is. And they never go back again? Or they never win again? No. I, I think it's they L- never L- win Elway again. Did. Only five quarterbacks have gone back to the Super Bowl after losing the Super Bowl. That's not one. That's five who have lost the Super Bowl and ever got another chance to win one in a game. But how many of them ever won again? Because I know uh, uh, Kelly didn't. Elway okay, so did. the, the five that made it back are Brady, Warner, Kelly, um, Peyton Manning, and, and Drew. Is it Drew? No, Drew Brees lost. Yeah. No, Drew Brees has only been to one Super Bowl and he won. No, I think he went to two because they had the, the Katrina year and then they lost to the Colts. No, you're right. You're no, right. no, just no. The they one. beat the Colts. That's right. They beat the Colts. But that was, so it was just that one. Mm. 
in the career. So yeah, I, I, there's I can't think of the fifth one, but I think it's three or only three have three or four have gone back and won a Super Bowl. It's really slim pickings. But case in point is it's not many. I'll say that. Yeah, I, can't, I don't know the exact number, but it's 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 not many. And who? How many after losing their first Super Bowl? Yeah, because I, I don't know. I think there was something about that where it was. I think it they, was like I know Elway did it, but there's another one. Uh, Jim Kelly didn't. Yeah, Jim, 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 Jim Kelly made it back a few times. Oh, Dan Marino lost. Didn't he lose a Super Bowl when he like never came back or I something like that? Back. Yeah, there's yeah. a long, long list of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Marino's a famous one because he made yeah. it, and everyone thought this kid's gonna win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. He did yep. it at a young age, never made it back, and a lot of that's on the on the Dolphins because they wasted such a great talent, one of the all time great quarterbacks in this league. And especially for the time the time frame that he was in, where it was very run heavy, not many passing, not much passing. And I know we're getting off topic, but um, ju- we're just while we're on the topic of quarterbacks who make their first Super Bowl and lose it, uh, tough, tough, uh, tough weight on on uh, Joe Burrow's shoulders. But you know, could figure it out. But as I mentioned, a lot of t- a lot of pressure on this Bengals on this Bengals team. Big mental. Uh, Big mental issue with that, but I do want I do want to move to our next topic. But anything else on this before we move on to uh, Rams Cowboys? I don't think so. Nope. All right, guys. Well, Cooper Rush, the career backup quarterback, and the Dallas Cowboys are three and one, and Cooper Rush is three and zero. Oh. They now go up against the Los Angeles Rams. Who are two and two, but are still a force to be reckoned with, and we'll talk about the possibility of the Cowboys potentially pulling off the upset. There, we'll get to that next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, special guest Derek Hool. And so the Rams and Cowboys will be facing off on Sunday. And so I'm just toying around with the possibilities here. If Dallas actually wins, and let's say they look good doing it, do we have to take Cooper Rush and the Cowboys seriously? Derek, you oh. want to start? Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to break that down into two parts, if I may. Yeah. Uh, and nothing against Cooper Rush. He's looked great in the games he's started. Uh, in the last you know, four starts he's made, he's won all four. Uh, so I'll say, yes, we have to take Dallas seriously. But no, I'm not sure we have to take Cooper Rush in, as the Cowboys quarterback seriously. Uh 
Um, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen guys succeed and take over for a starter after an injury or after a tough start. Uh, Nick Foles. Nick Tom Foles. Brady. We've seen uh, you know Ryan Tannehill come in from Mariota when no one thought that was possible. We saw that with this guy named Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. But <laughs> regardless, uh, Dak Prescott's getting paid a lot of money. Jerry Jones is an egotistical, you know, got quite an egotistical guy. So I wouldn't put it past him to, as soon as Dak's out there, ready to go, put him out there. Now, if Dak comes back and they start losing some games, then we might see uh, the possibility of, of a change. Um, but I really don't see a situation in which Dak Prescott is healthy and doesn't return to that starting role. And the reason I think we should take Dallas seriously is they have uh, an interesting offense. You know, they lost Amari Cooper but they still have some pieces. Michael Gallup's just getting back to, to full strength. We saw him last week. He was slotted back into his that kind of Amari Cooper volume role um, that he was buried behind for those last few years. And um, I'm eager to see what this offense can do. I think they can run the ball pretty well, too. Uh, I know Zeke is not the Zeke of old, and Pollard's taken a lot of touches, but it's still a decent group. I don't think we should totally throw it uh, – you know, wave the white flag and say Zeke is, is totally toast. He might not be the guy he was, but I, I still think he can get touches and, and give you some good good runs. He's, he's looked decent in the games he's had. And, and Pollard is that, that young spark who might be able to break off a 50-yard run and get the offense moving. But where their real value lies is that defense. That defense can fly. They're, they can get after the quarterback. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Micah Parsons and his future as – you know, he's one of the few talents who can do so many different things. He can he can rush the quarterback inside and out. He can set the edge in the run game. He can play as a coverage linebacker if he needs to. We saw him play a little middle linebacker towards the end of last year. His di- diversity and versatility on defense um, really is unmatched by anyone we have, we have in today's NFL. Um, so I'm eager to see what he can do and, and continue to be. But he's paired with some good pass rushers and a formidable secondary. Uh, I think this defense can really carry this team, even if Dak isn't uh, isn't the Dak we, we might expect to come back. Yeah, that's a uh, that is a that is a fair point. Separating the Cowboys from Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush might be able to play. We don't. I mean, we don't know. We haven't seen a big enough sample size. But they're going to want to put Dak Prescott back in once he's healthy, especially with Jerry Jones and the contract they gave him. But yeah, CJ, no way, no way, Dak doesn't come back and start. They might might flip week nine, ten, eleven if there's an issue. But Dak's getting that roll back. Yeah, he could come back, but I mean they 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 got to they got to put him back in. You mean you can't sure. give him that contract? But CJ, what are your thoughts? If, and it's a big if. Cooper Rush beats the Rams. Oh boy, he might be a little bit on the legit side. And I mean, we obviously know when Dak's going to start when he comes back. But mark my words if Cooper Rush beats the Rams and then Dak comes back and they start losing again, the fans will cry for Cooper Rush as well they should. And if Rush keeps winning, you know, there's a saying I said this on the last episode. There's an old saying called, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, I mean, why would you stop a good thing? I mean, I know Dak's making a lot of money, but you have to remember when I know calling people Tom Brady is insane. We have to remember when Tom Brady took over for Drew Bledsoe, 
Bledsoe literally made – he was like a $100 million man. First $100 million quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Derek. And and it's like – so it's not out of the question, but, you know, Jerry Jones is going to want to – that's how it is. But I will bring up that there's a flip side to this issue. If Cooper Rush loses – then all of his magic, all of his hype is going to disappear. Because, you know, it's really quite a, quite a novel thing, you know. It, it's He's uh, undefeated as a starter. Yeah, yeah, not, not anymore. That's literally his only thing. And if they lose, and especially lose handily, then everyone's just going to forget him. You know, he's only as good as he keeps winning. It doesn't even matter how they win. But, yeah, I, I would. But if, it, but if he does beat the Rams... I would actually argue for a quarterback controversy, especially if Dak comes back and they don't win. Might you also argue, you know, if they lose, but it depends on how they lose. Like if they come close and they mm, just yeah, no yeah. cigar. All right. If it's like a high scoring shootout, like let's just say 38, 35, I know that's high, but, but bear with me. But if the Cowboys lose, but, but they come close, and Cooper Rush is like 250 yards and three touchdowns, then, yeah, then I could see the Magic still being alive. Yeah. I mean, if, if he lays an egg, then it, it's yeah. it's all gone. All bets are off. The, the Cooper Rush train has lost all of its passengers at that point. Yeah. But uh, the way I look at it, and CJ, you took the take right out of – you stole my take. Sorry. I, because I just created a – I just made, pull up, pulled up a tab – for Drew Bledsoe's contract. Uh, so he was the first $100 million contract guy, $103 million, 10 years. Jeez. And now this was when Bill Belichick had first started. He didn't really have much leverage because he had, didn't have the track record that Jerry Jones now has. So you look at that, yeah, like he didn't really have much of a leg to stand on when the, the backup quarterback was outperforming him. But – that's the only reason I hesitate is because when you look at Drew Bledsoe and how they how that happened, and you also look at just a few years back, back in 2016, going into that season, Dak Prescott was not supposed to be the starting quarterback. It was supposed to be Tony Romo. And Dak Prescott, he was impressing during preseason, but then Tony Romo gets hurt. Dak Prescott jumps in, and this guy just – was electric him is in Ezekiel Elliott it was you had you had Des Bryant having a career resurgence it was looking great for them and then Jerry Jones decided to to roll with the hot hand even when even when uh Tony Romo was healthy they said let's stick with this guy they're winning so Jerry Jones is not unfamiliar with a situation like this and now I don't know if Dak will be out for long enough so that Cooper Rush will have that chance where they where Jerry Jones would be crazy to take him out, but it's not out of the question. And I do think Dak Prescott's going to come back. They have to put him in. He's they they're paying him way too much money. I think it's among the most of any quarterback. So that leaves a lot of pressure on Jerry Jones. He looks like a, a grade A ass hat if he gives that type of money. And then he sits him for the for the backup. He goes, you know what? Never mind. After a season, so they got to put him in. But if he struggles, and they they got to put in Cooper Rush, and they better not take Cooper Rush out, because 
your your quarterback who you paid a lot of money to is not winning games and your backup's winning. I get it. You paid him all this money, but people are wrong sometimes. You misinterpret the talent. So put in Cooper Rush if he if this guy fails again. But I think Dak Prescott deserves every chance to come back. And a little sneaky tidbit. I mean, something you can't can't neglect in this game is the Rams are two and two. Rams haven't come out firing and may have maybe dealing with a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover, even though you you know might some maybe not be as prolific when you when you lose a Super Bowl, but the Rams haven't come out looking like uh, setting the world on fire. You know, they they lost to two good football teams in the the Bills and the 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 49ers. I'm not hitting the panic alarm, but this is a sneaky important game for the 49ers. I'm sorry, for the the San Fran uh, the Chiefs Crow, the Los Angeles Rams to maybe get back on track. Uh and, and let's not discredit that we could see could see a game that's really important for the LA Rams. And a, and a little history flashback, we can't forget. You know, sometimes it's written out of history because we like to think that Tom Brady came out and, and never gave up that, that job. Uh, but let's not forget that Tom Brady left that AFC championship in 2001 with an ankle injury. Uh, and Drew Bledsoe came in and, and closed out the conference championship game against the against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and there was a lot of controversy leading up to Super Bowl week. Would it be Bledsoe? Would it be Brady? Uh, so... This not this might not be a a black and white. It's over once the decision is made. This might be something we see with if, if the Cowboys get on track and make a run in the playoffs. Granted, I don't think the Cowboys are going to make a run in the playoffs. It's the Cowboys, you know. But we'll see. And yeah, and this for us here, sitting as you know, football analysts, this would be great to cover if the if Cooper Rush actually makes this interesting. Let's say the let's say the Cowboys make a run and Cooper Rush is in the middle of it, or Dak Prescott makes some noise too. I don't want to see this disappoint because I kind of this is kind of fun to, fun to cover because the Cowboys didn't have many expectations, and they lost with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott gets hurt. They go 3-0 and with, with Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott's knocking the, on the door of coming back. They're facing a team that was a slam dunk contender as a Super Bowl, uh, at, <clears throat> excuse me, to make the Super Bowl. If they win, oh boy, that would be such a great story. And then Dak Prescott comes back and they struggle. And then Cooper Rush comes back. Dak Prescott comes back somehow and he he plays well again. Boy, that would create some noise. And that would be so much fun to cover here on the Fumble Rooski podcast. Um, but once again, I want uh, I would like to move on for time constraints. Um, so if you guys have any thoughts... Speak now, forever hold your peace. Anything else on Cowboys versus yeah, it's more Rams? more Cowboys than I really prefer to talk, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, that is the that is the most positive Cowboys talk you will get from the Fumble Rooski podcast, and this this has been pretty fun to talk about. But that I think that's uh, I think we've uh, I think the Cowboys have overstayed our welcome here, but we're going to move on to the Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix, where we're going to give you some stardom sit So if you're looking for who to start in your fantasy lineup, stick around and don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast. Adam Wright here with CJ Medeiros, special guest Derek Cool. We've reached the Fumble Rooski fantasy fix portion of our show where you're going you are going to get your stardom sitems of this week's slate of games. And as I know as I look at this, I accidentally put in three stardoms. So you're welcome there. And we only have one sitem, so if either of you want to name a uh, real quick a sitem uh, after after I list these guys, feel free. But for starts, we have Clyde Edwards-Elaire versus Las Vegas. And we have Pat's running backs. So Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris versus Detroit. For sits, we have J.K. Dobbins versus Cincinnati. And I accidentally put James Robinson as a sit when we intended him as a start. So James Robinson versus Houston, start him. But you guys, a, st- a sit him for real quick for running backs. Shoot. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot here. Ugh. I just noticed it right now. <laughs> well, a guy I'm not looking too forward to is James Conner. I think he goes against the Eagles, and he's going to be in a negative game script. They're going to be have to throw in the ball, so he, he might get some targets. He you know, he doesn't factor in a ton to the passing game, but uh, but he might, he might be out there just to devy up the work with Eno Benjamin and Darrell Williams. So I'm not too confident in James Conner. Uh, this week going against an Eagles team that has played a lot from the lead. So I just think uh, that the Cardinals won't be inclined to run the ball as much in this game against the Eagles. So he's someone I have hesitancy on. And just to touch on one of your starts the, uh, with the Patriots backfield, you know, Damian Harris or Ramondre, I say start in both. I think you could see 200 yards on the ground for the Patriots, uh, 250 maybe if, if, it, if it is indeed Bailey Zappi. Uh, New England is not, in fact, happy for Zappi. Uh, we we just need to to get through this time, and I think uh, the Bills going to take the ball out of his hands, and and you know no weather like there was in Buffalo last year, but we might see ten pass attempts from the New England Patriots offense this week. I think they're going to feed Ramondre, they're going to feed Damian, and dare this terrible defense to stop. Yeah, that's a backfield that I do really like, and uh, it sucks that they have to go to this type of offense during a time where we're bre- breaking out the vintage jerseys. I'm really excited to see that game. And I wish I could be – my girlfriend's going to the game. I can't go. I'm like, ah. So that'll be a little jealous there. But um, so – Wait, yeah, Adam, looking, don't you want to sit him for me or no? <laughs> we, we got our we, – we got our sit him. Oh, um, but I, I like James Conner because he's also very game. Uh, he's very touchdown dependent and negative game script. Those are two factors that just combine to doesn't look very good. And plus the Eagles defense has been very stingy so far this season. Great start for the Eagles, but don't uh, do not put James Conner in your lineups. But moving on to wide receivers, start Je- uh, start Josh Reynolds at New uh, New England. Uh, start Chris Olave versus Seattle. As for sits for wide receiver, uh, sit Jarvis Landry versus Seattle. And then Devontae Smith, we are going to sit him. Uh, going over to quarterbacks, we're going to start Tom Brady at Atlanta. We're going to also put in Joe Burrow at Baltimore. 
And as for sits for quarterback, it's Kyler Murray versus Philadelphia. This is a bold one, but – and I don't know if you will actually bench Kyler Murray, but I'm not banking on, on him having a great game. That Philadelphia defense is really tough, and Kyler Murray tends to struggle in games like this. Um, so sit him if you can. Uh, Trevor Lawrence versus Houston, put him on your bench. I know people have been very high on Trevor Lawrence after the start he's had to the season, but don't get too carried away with him because Houston actually does have a decent defense against quarterbacks. Tight ends, we're going to start Will Disley versus Houston along with Tyler Conklin versus Miami. Sits, we're going to go with Dalton Schultz at Los Angeles. He's had a tough start to the season. And I don't think if he gets it going, it's not going to be this week at Atlanta or excuse me, at Los Angeles. We're also going to bet. We're also going to sit Robert Tunyon versus the Giants going on to defenses. We're going to start the Vikings versus Chicago, and we're going to start Miami at New York at the New York Jets. I'll, I'll add uh, for sits. We're going to go Bengals at Baltimore. And Cardinals versus Philly. So put those guys on your bench. That'll do it for the Fumble Rooski Fantasy Fix. And up next, we're going to have Derek Cool's uh, guest segment where he's going to talk about some World Series predictions as the, uh, as the, po- the MLB postseason is, is basically here. Started two believe- hours ago. That is, that is correct. Yeah. So... It's crazy that the regular season has gone by so quick. It's also really upsetting that our our Red Sox have not made the the postseason after a, a crazy collapse this July. But you know, always next year. Even though next year, I'm not sure things will be better. But we're going to get to some World Series predictions next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros, Derek Hool. Welcome to the guest segment of our show sponsored by Secret Weapon Consulting. For business plans, secret shoppers, bar spotting, server and manager training, and so much more, visit www.secretweaponconsulting.com. So for our guest segment, we have Derek Hool who's going to talk about some World Series predictions for this MLB postseason that has just begun. So, Derek, what do you got? All right. So, I'm excited for this this uh, this postseason. I think there's a lot of dynamic teams. Um, of course, the Dodgers, who won 111 games, the most in the National League since 1918, I believe, something like that. It's been a really long time since you had a team that successful in the uh, in the National League regular season. 
Uh, but I'm going to go another another direction. Now, as a big Red Sox fan, it hurts me to say that I think the most entertaining World Series that we could get would be a Subway Series in New York between the Mets and the Yankees. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, I hate to root for them because I think uh, I hate the Yankees. I've kind of just in my blood. It's in my nature. But I would really, really love to see a matchup between the Mets and the Yankees. I think it would be entertaining. Two teams that are really good for most of the season were the two best teams in baseball. They hit a little bit of their, you know, hit a hit a bump in the road come April, August, and in September, Mets lost the division to the the Braves in the last eight days of the year. Um, but I am had taking the New York Mets and their dynamic pitching staff to take on the New York Yankees, and they will win, beat the Yankees in a six-game series. Um, I'm really excited to see this happen. I think both teams are good on both sides. Uh, I think you're going to get a back-and-forth series. It's going to be some real memorable moments. Um, and after this, I think we're going to see the Yankees and Mets both lose their star player, DeGrom leaving the Mets, maybe for Atlanta, and, and Aaron Judge leaving the Yankees, maybe here in Boston. You never know. But that's what I got for the World Series. And uh, and I hope you guys enjoy the October and, and going into November because of the lockup. But I hope you enjoy the postseason like I will. Tell us a little more about your prediction that he's going that Aaron Judge is going to be a Red Sox because that's a scolding hot take. And you I thought just... I could slip. That, so I thought I could slip that in there. So when it happens, if it does happen, I can kind of come back and say, "Oh, I called this back in October." But I will you, touch on it. Um, I, I was going to say he's... you dropped that like really subtly. I, I, I tried to keep it like, subtle. I, I tried like, to sneak what? it in. I tried to sneak it in so I could come back to it. But uh, but I'll touch on it. Uh, I think the Red Sox are primed to spend a little bit this off season. Um, I, I, I'm eager to see what they can do. Uh, Aaron judge is the type of runs producer that they might be willing to spend money on with Heim and his, you know, saber metrics and his analytics that have kind of ruined the game. Uh, Xander Bogarts was a very good shortstop for the Red Sox this year. However, he was not a runs producer. He kind of slapped the ball around here and there hit for a great average, which might have bought him a bigger contract five, 10 years ago before we really started, uh, and even you know, 20 years before we started considering driving runs in. But Aaron, Aaron Judge is that guy. He he's a runs producer. No matter where you put him in the lineup, he's got a good, you know, solid outfielder. Um, you know, of course, the the backside of these big major contracts aren't always pretty. So I'm not predicting it to be some kind of slam dunk. Um, but I think he's the type of player that the Red Sox might 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 break the bank for and and give a 300, 350 million dollar contract uh that that we did they didn't give to to Mookie Betts that we were upset about so I, I could see that yeah I mean looking it, it's it's tough because I I've always loved Xander Bogarts he's been one of my favorite players actually probably my favorite player of the past like let's say 10 years he started his career when I first started watching baseball during the 2013 World Series run and he's been on the teams ever since. He's their longest tenured player. And as great as he's been, he hasn't exactly lived up to his potential. He's, he was supposed to be a top two, three shortstop in the league. In some years, he has been that. But while his average has been there like it's supposed to, his power really hasn't. To hit, what is it, 16 home runs this year? That's a little yeah. underwhelming for me. Like, there were a couple years where he hit 30 and he hit, like, for over 300, I'm like, okay, this is the guy who I want leading our franchise. But there's also years like this and last year as well, where it's like 15 to 20. It's good, but it's not great. 
And then you have Aaron, you have Aaron Judge here, who has who's hitting for average. Granted, it's a career year. He's never hit for average like this, but average and power, you'd be crazy not to gr- try and get him, even if he was a Yankee. Still, <sighs> Aaron Judge, I like as a Yankee. I, I like having that. Call me like a Red Sox fan who just loves, you know, I just love the rivalry. But he feels that guy to root, like that guy to, you can respect, but root against. Like, it's like Derek Jeter going to the Red Sox. Like, yeah, like he's great. He'd be great as a Red Sox. I'd love him. But he's a Yankee. And he's been a Yankee for quite a few years. I don't know. I'm a little, I get it. I would love, I don't know. I'm a little conflicted on that, on that front, but. Not to say that he wouldn't be a great uh, piece to that team. You know, I don't, oh. I don't see this as a super likely thing, but it's the type of thing that, that uh, <coughs> it's the type of thing the Red Sox could kind of be sneaky about. You know, there was a lot of sneaky signings in the last few years. I just think this, if they're going to give a guy a big contract, it, it might be him. They might, they might, they have minimal tax, con, they have middle have tax liability in terms of the the CBA. Um, they, they, there's, there's room in the budget to go get a guy. I would prefer they replace with Carlos Correa. I think he's a guy they could give a big contract to, to, and, you know, have a story Correa up the middle tandem. Uh, but I think it, I think it's an off season. The Red Sox fans should keep an eye on. Yeah, actually one, you know, one, one team I've been thinking a lot about, and I told you a little bit about this off camera for the, for judge to land at is the Los Angeles Dodgers. So this would suck and it would probably it would be a very bad look for the Red Sox Yankees rivalry because the Dodgers already swiped Mookie Betts from us from my Red Sox, our Red Sox since we're all Red Sox fans here in this show. Then they get Aaron Judge and they have both of those guys in the outfield. The Dodgers suddenly have turned into the the Yankees of old. Like that's that's who they are now. They're they're getting all these players. They have a stacked farm system. They have all of the, they have all this talent everywhere. They spend. They they trade for players. That's a team that's been that's been going to the playoffs left and right ever since. What was it? Twenty thirteen was the last time they was the was when they first started. You know, going to the playoffs left and right. They only have one world's uh, world championship to show for it. And it was the COVID year. So I guess in that way, you could compare them to the 90s Braves where they're making it every single year and they only have one World Series to show for it. But, I mean, they're, they're doing – I kind of respect the Dodgers. They're doing everything they can to improve their organization. They're everything that I would expect the Red Sox to be. Now, the Red Sox, they may not always make the playoffs, but I think there's no, there's no excuse – for a team with the resources that they have to ever be finishing last place. They have money. They have, they have, they have, they're a professional organization. I know they can evaluate talent so they can build up a farm system. So I, I call me crazy. I kind of liked it when they had Dave Dombrowski. I did. They won a world series because of him. He went out and they got pieces that they needed. And eventually they made, they won a world series. And I lo- Heim Bloom is developing talent, but he's being too conservative, way too conservative. But that's just that's just a Red Sox take. I want to go. I want to go a little bit back towards your uh, your World Series prediction. So Mets, 
So Mets Yankees. Do you have the Mets beating the Yankees? Mets in six games. Yeah, because... I think it's going to be an electric series. I'd really look forward to that. I think it would it would just spark a good turnout. Um, it'd be a good product. It, it's uh, it'd be an interesting time of year though because of the lockout that the MLB had. That that wouldn't that would be a November World Series. It, it's going to get cold. It's going to be an interesting one. So I'm curious to see how that would play out. Um, but I, I'd love to see that. So can you see the Yankees winning the World Series, or can you just not fathom it nope. because we're all yeah, Red no. Sox fans? I don't think so. No, nah. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. It's, I want my DNA. Listen, I respect the Yankees. I think they're a great organization, and they're some. They're a team that people should look up to. Should hate because I hate them. But look, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want this team out in the first round. I agree. I, I, I want them out. I want I'd them out. Agree. They can't win number twenty-eight. Don't do it. Don't do it. Give us that. Keep. I want that talking point to say since 2000, that last Yankee rivalry, you have one World Series in 22 years. We oh, got to yeah. keep that talking point because we're holding on to sure. it for dear life. Because it's all we so, got because we're never getting to 27. <laughs> we're, we're not getting there. And another thing to add on to that, this is something I always mention to Yankee fans. Most of their World Series were when there were, what, 15 or less teams in the league? There was a big – now, a lot of them were with 30. That two, that late 90s to 2000s uh, dynasty was legit. That was a good one. But besides that, there weren't many teams in the league for most of their World Series victories, which is why I believe no team will ever repeat the success that the, that the Yankees just had. No team will ever do it because there's just too much competition now, and there's too many other ways to win. This analytics thing, it's a pain in the ass, but it's, it's creating more – it's leveling the playing field more, and it opens opportunities for teams like the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays or the Pittsburgh Pirates to contend because now they have a different way to win. And sure. because of that, all these other teams who are who are big market teams who could just spend away, the Dodgers of the world, uh, even the Cubs, Red Sox, Yankees, they can't do what they did before. You right. can't just win World Series left and right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the only – that's that's another thing that I use, but uh, you got to be smart if you're a Red Sox fan or arguing with Yankee fans because it is hard to go against the. We have 27 rings. Sure. But how many were you born for? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we were able to talk on this this World Series. Absolutely. But uh, do you guys have any other thoughts before we end the show here tonight? Uh, I don't really watch baseball, so sorry I didn't really contribute, but. Um, I personally, with me and my limited knowledge, I don't see Aaron Judge going to Boston. I feel like yeah. probably one of the Cali teams because for some reason people want to go to California. God knows why. Yeah, and um, I I question whether or not he's even willing. Uh, that Heim is even going to be willing to spend because he's we'll so fixed on the analytics. But ownership could step in and say, guys. Wait, hold on. We we need to do. Is Heim the guy from the A's who was on the A's? No, he was in the Rays organization. Okay. And the Rays, the Rays are very they're they're a small market team, so they have to operate mm -hmm. that way. But right now, oh, treating, oh, no. oh I see because I because I remember the, there was a guy. On, sorry, I just was I remember there was a guy on the A's that was like yeah. all analytics. He turned them around until That's they got Billy crushed Bean. in the playoffs. Bean, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know there. baseball, so you got to forgive me. It's all yeah. good. But listen. And I'll, I'll end. I'll end with this because we we are going over an hour now. 
I'll end with this. If you are a small market GM and you go to a big market team, at least use your resources. It's you, you have these things. You don't have to operate like you, like you have, like you have no money. So that's just, you know, that's what's pissing me off about Heim Bloom because he has resources here in Boston and he didn't, I wanted to, I, I wanted Mookie Betts back and they're going to let Bogarts go. They're going to let Devers go. And I hope ownership steps in and says, stop it, stop it. But all right, guys. Well, Derek, thank you so much for joining the show. Let me know if you want to come back on. It was great having you back, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. I come love enjoy, uh, love and enjoy coming on and chatting with you guys about the upcoming season. Maybe we can uh, do it again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.